Amen. Well, I'm just going to use the handheld for a second, and then I'm going to switch this over to one of my students here. But it's just so good to be here this morning. It's pretty much a second home. So even though I'm not at my home church right now, it's like I'm at my home church right now. So uh, I just praise God for you guys. And uh, as Pastor Pete shared, that I'm the director of the Toledo School of Ministry. And we're just going to complete our third year. So I remember coming and visiting here when the school wasn't even going on yet. And I said, pray for me. We're starting this school from scratch. Pray for me. We need a lot of prayers. And um, now we're just about, we're one month away from finishing our third year. And uh, we've had, last year we had our first graduating class, which was four people. Uh, Let me see, four, am I adding one? Three. We had three graduate last year, but four sounds better, so that's okay. Um, But anyway, yeah, we had three people graduate last year. Uh, One of those three pursued, got their ministry license through Open Bible Churches. All three of them right now are ministering in churches. Uh, We have four students presently. One of our students are with us this morning. And we have four students right now. And even though three of them are in their first year of school, many of them are already ministering within their church and outside their church. We've had students uh, have positions at Cherry Street Missions in Toledo. Uh, We have students that are on worship teams, uh, youth pastors. They're already fulfilling God's calling, and we're just equipping them and empowering them on a greater level. And um, so I'm going to just let Jacob, uh, Jacob Mead, if you want to welcome him up here. He's our, he's a, he's a senior this year. Jacob's one month away from graduating. And um, so he's, he said it went by quick, but Jacob's going to just share a little bit about the school, a little bit about his experience with the school. And um, I'm super proud of Jacob. Jacob actually, for the last pretty much two years, he drives an hour and a half each way to get to school and back. And actually on his way in, usually he picks me up. So he, he's my ride too. So uh, just love Jacob. Great dedication. And his wife, Rebecca, can be with us this morning. And that little beautiful one right there, Harper. Oh, she's ready. She's ready. There you go. That was a bonus this morning. You got some bonus cuteness right here. But I'm going to let Jacob share a little bit. All right. How you guys doing this morning? Yeah, Keith told me he's like... Uh, Pastor Pete's going to introduce me, and then I'm going to introduce you, and then I get to just introduce myself again, I guess, and my family, but like he said, I'm Jacob, and, um, or Jake, a lot of people call me, like my daughter always calls me Jake, she says dada sometimes, but usually it's Jake, Jake, and then my wife over there, Becca again, like he said, but um, like I said, we got, we've, got, we've got to be down here a couple times and meet with you guys, um, last year I got to share a little bit about the school as I was like a, you know, freshman then, and now I'm a big senior now, so, which is, it just went by so fast, but uh, glad to be back here again. We, we've got to come down here a couple times for some different stuff. We got to go to the gaming table last night, which is really cool. Played like one game, and I, know, I don't know if you guys know like how competitive Keith is. Played like one game, and I think, I didn't win the game by any means, but I think I beat Keith. Like, I'm not sure. It was a confusing game, but yeah, it was. So right but that was really awesome like i said so we're just glad to be down here again just kind of share with you guys a little about the school um we are a little ways away over by jackson uh jackson michigan's kind of closest but we're like a small town springport there's like 700 people in springport that we're from um but i i heard about the school we were down here working um and i was really like in this spot kind of with work we had just you know we've been married here for a little while we had harper on the way and heard about the school 
And like I was just kind of like stuck with that work thing, not with my wife or with our daughter. That was that was still awesome, exciting, and still to this day. But just with work, you know, I was like, you know, this is it right now. You know, I'm just got married, having a kid, and and this is like this is gonna be the rest of my life. I don't do something, which was fine. You know, it's a great job and stuff, and I've still still been working there. But I knew that I kind of wanted just something different a little bit, and I didn't want to be in that rut already. Um, I was like 20. I'm 25 now, so, you know, 24 years old, or I'm like, you know, that's, that's going to be it, and I was just working down there, and I heard about the school, and just really, it was, I think it was just like this calling a little bit, just kind of set up and set up by God just in my life there, where um, they was just speaking into me, and looked into a small, into a little more, and it just seemed really right, you know, I think it was definitely worth the drive to get down there, there wasn't really anything else in our area that offered like that, with the, just that kind of intimate setting and that real world real world um, application there I guess but it's just kind of funny like starting the school I knew it was going to be a, little, a lot and even the first day to meet with kind of like an orientation with Keith like we scheduled that he's like how about this day I was like yeah it's good and then I realized like hey we got to reschedule that that's actually the date that uh, my daughter's supposed to be born or <laughs> it was like two days before Harper was due but she came a little farther but Right, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I knew there was something on that day right around then, but um, she ended up coming a little later anyways, but, uh, you know, so it was like a lot just to kind of, <laughs> here she is again, but she just runs back and forth, she has no respect, uh, but <laughs> the star of the show, but, it, you know, I knew it was going to be a lot kind of with uh, just starting the young, new new marriage and family and stuff like that, but, um, you know, I, I just, just felt like it was something that really was feeling called to I just been so glad I made that decision. Um, what's great about it is just that that networking that you get to meet with people like you guys and just kind of come to some events that you guys get to to have and just some other local churches like River and just getting to know everyone. And um, like I said, it's just been awesome to get to know people like that and have that outreach. And then I like the the, the small size of the classrooms, being able to really minister with each other. And um, share. We get to have just this worship time together, and uh, just that small setting. It's better than like something else I was looking for, like an online class or something like that. It's 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 awesome. It's worth that drive to get down there and hang out with the guys and just have that that real fellowship and that bonding that we get to grow in. So I've just have so much growth through this school. Not only just the the books and you know that um, studying, but but just spiritual growth and just getting to know the guys real well and growing in that way. And so after, kind of after school, what we're looking for as we're kind of coming up to the end of this month and graduation, we've, we've been, my wife and I, we've been involved with youth ministry. That's kind of what we were doing before we started the school, and we're going to kind of keep going with that, too, and that's been awesome. Just, you know, schools help us out with that, but we, we're also looking to just help out in our local, local area, our local churches. Um, we're from a small, like I say, a small town, our small like local church, the Methodist Church, and we're just gonna, we've had some opportunities to help out there, just preach in a little bit, and then also like at, at River, which, you know, isn't our area too much, but um, getting some experience down there, and so we'd like to just help out with the local churches and kind of plant our own um, home church and let that grow into a little bigger church plant is what we're really feeling led to right now, and just, you know, wherever God calls it, but... That's kind of where we're going with right now, and it's just been it's been awesome to just the pouring into from the school, just uh, really building up and and the growth that we've got through school. I can't believe that it's already almost over here. 
but um, it's, it really has been an awesome decision other than I can't say, you know, the, one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I don't want to, you know, say that marrying my wife or anything wasn't awesome. That's, that's great. And she's, I've just, I love her support that she's helped me through it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's willing to let me go to this school, even, you know, with that uh, new marriage and um, our daughter on the way and stuff. So she's really just helped me get through it. And, and that's another awesome aspect about the church is just, um, you know, the, the family part of it too, the, the support for for families Amen. and everything. So well, that's just a little bit about the school and um, about uh, about my experience with it. And I'll uh, give it back over to Keith here. So well, thank, thank you, you guys Jacob. for letting me share. Hope you guys have a good day. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Jacob. And Pete, I'm going to give that to you. There you go. Well, if you want more information on the school, I'm just excited to get into God's Word here. Um, there's uh, the websites up there. Feel free. If you have any questions, you can grab me after the service. Um, just love to share what's, what's going on. And uh, let's get into the Word of God here. If you guys could extend your hands and pray for me. Lord God, we just thank you for this, this awesome morning. Uh, I just thank you above all right now just for your presence and love. It just fills this place. Your, your power mixed with your peace is overwhelming. I pray, Lord God, that uh, you would just empower me to bring forth your word. I pray, um, I pray I would be obedient, Holy Spirit, to your leading. I pray that I would love these people here today through your word. Uh, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would convict and challenge if you need to. And I pray that right now I, I just would be your vessel. I would just be your mouthpiece. I pray that you would just be lifted up through everything that I share today, Lord God, and that, um, that I would just be empowered by you. And I pray that the love that you've given me would just reflect onto the people here. I pray that it would just reflect out. And just give me everything I need, Lord God. Um, I am a, a clay jar that you somehow have seen fit to put your glory in me, Lord God. And I pray that your glory would re- be released, even in spite of my weaknesses, even in spite of my shortcomings, even in spite of my failures and even sins, Lord God. I pray that you would be glorified through me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we kind of get into where I feel the Lord was leading this morning, we're eventually going to get into 1 Corinthians 13. But as we were worshiping um, that second song, I, I don't know about you, but to me, that's, that's a, that song is a, a way that God just, it's either a reminder or a declaration, I think, depending on where you're coming from. And um, it's, oh, I just made, I'm making the mic worse. I told Mike this morning as he was helping me get, to, get, to get, get things together, I said, I'm here to make your life harder is what I said to Mike this morning as I was getting him some stuff. I think we're good now. But um, that song, to me, is, it's either a reminder or it's a declaration, and sometimes both, that, you know, who the Son sets free, that we are free indeed. And there's just so, there was so much power in that song. There was so much power in all those songs. And I, I just thank the worship team. Um, you guys are blessed to have a worship team where you could easily come in Sunday morning and the atmosphere is already set here. Uh, the, you know, we know God's presence is wherever there's two or three are gathered, but the worship team just ushers in his presence because they aren't just playing instruments, but they're worshiping the Lord. And that's how the presence gets ushered in. But that, that second song, I was worshiping toward, to, to that song during practice. And... Um, God was just reminding me things, and as he was reminding me things, he was also, I was declaring things in my life. 
And we need to be reminded that we are chosen, that we are God's chosen people. That so many times, some of us are really bad at sports. And, you know, you had to go through gym class and they do the picking and, you know, you might have been picked last all the time. But I look at it this way. We're always God's first pick. It's not based on our works. It's not based on our abilities. It's actually just completely based on grace. It's just completely grace based on love. And so we're, we're God's chosen people, that he chose us and he loves us. And he didn't just choose us, but he adopted us. That's why we're singing the, the, those songs be about being a child of God. My truest identity and your truest identity is sons and daughters of Christ. And if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, I don't know what will. But we need to be reminded of our identity. We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ, not based on us, but based on who he is. Because too often the world is attacking you. You might even have been put down today or yesterday or this week by a family member, a friend. And a lot of times we need to push or silence the critics and we need to embrace what God is saying about us. And that's what that song is to me, that I was receiving it and I was being reminded of it. And it's just a, it's also me, a declaration. It's a declaration. And I, and I was just thinking, a lot of that song just reminded me of Romans 8, but how it says that we've see, received this spirit of adoption. We've seen this, this spirit that, that testifies, where it, it testifies with our spirit that uh, we cry out, Abba, or we cry out, Daddy. We cry out, Abba, Father. And God's spirit, you know, our spirit is made alive. It says, uh, other words in, in scripture, that we were once dead in our trans, transgression, but he made us alive, or we have been made alive or born again in Christ, if you look at John 3. And we are new creations. We are adopted. God gives us this, this spiritual awakening, this new birth, where our spirit testifies with his spirit that you are daddy, that you are father. And it says in Romans 8, we are co-heirs with Christ. We are more than conquerors, that there is nothing on this earth, nothing beyond, nothing beyond life, nothing dealing with death that will be able to separate us from the love that is found in Jesus Christ. That is identity. So we, before we get into the word this morning, we're already in the word this morning. I want you to embrace your identity in Christ. Someone needed to hear that. Someone needed to hear that this morning. Someone, as they were singing that song, I think things began to happen in your life where I'm not like how they're saying I am, or I'm not how I used to be, but I'm more than a conqueror. There is no condemnation in my relationship with Jesus Christ. His love covers the multitudes of my sins from my past that I am not who I used to be, but I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. And as preachers like to say, that one was for free. So, amen. I'm just being obedient to what the Lord has put on my heart. But that's for someone this morning. And I know that song was for me this morning. That song was for me this morning. Amen. The title of this morning's message, the title of this morning's message is called Love, the Attribute that We Can't Afford to Get Wrong. Love, the Attribute We Can't Afford to Get Wrong. And I just want to start out this morning just with a, a brief introduction to a story, and then I'm going to close with the other end of that story. But many of you may have known, I can't remember, we, Rachel and I, we get to share her a good bit, and she sends her love. She's at uh, Open Bible Church, I think, in, uh, she's in Acme right now, I think Acme Open Bible, close to the mountains of western Pennsylvania. And be praying for our church, River of Life Community Church, a lot of churches having services right now. But uh, I just want to start with the story, going to end with the story. 
And many of you may, may know a little bit of this, but about a year and a half ago, two years ago, about a year and a half ago, in November, uh, Rachel's brother was dealing with an opiate and alcohol addiction about a year and a half ago. And in November, he, he went on a binge and he was walking on the streets, the streets of Pittsburgh, and no one knew where he was. We knew he was in Pittsburgh because he was spending, making, making transactions on his debit card. So we knew he was in Pittsburgh. We kind of knew the area he was in. But he was strung out on opiates, and he was strung out on alcohol. And as we began to learn things about Rachel Brother, we found out during that time when, when things kind of climaxed, or hit a low point, I should say, that he really was dealing with the opiate addiction and alcohol addiction for about three to four years. So this was something that was hid, and then things started coming out. But here, um, have you ever had a family member? He's dealing, you know, we don't know where he's at, and he's dealing with this addiction, and Rachel's worried. We're, we're living in Michigan, and, and so we can't go check the streets is what, what I would have did, and we're wondering where he's at, and he's strung out on drugs, and the way the last two or three years have been, we're like, he could be dead. We don't know what's going on. And have you ever heard someone say that sometimes in a relationship, all you can do is love them? Has anyone ever heard that? That it gets to a point where they're just so deep in sin or they're so deep in addiction that all you could do is love them. You, you try to reason with them. You, you try to help them, whatever that looks like. But it seems like they don't want it or all that stuff is failing. But you hear that expression, all you could do is love them. And that's really what this message is about a little bit is our love for people. Our love for people within the church. Uh, when Paul wrote this, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. When Paul wrote this, he was, he was writing to a church that was really messed up. And I'm not preaching this here because you guys are messed up. Just so you know, I preached this message to our church last month. But, but Paul is writing this, this portion of Scripture, this, this whole letter uh, for, in 1 Corinthians. He, he's writing that to a church that's messed up. It's a church that he, he visited before. He helped plant this church. And um, at one point, he wrote a letter to this church. We, we don't know too much about the first letter he wrote. He was getting reports of how messed up this church was. And in response to his first letter that was misinterpreted by the people... And then also the oral reports that he was getting of things going on. That's the setting why Paul, Paul wrote this letter, this 1 Corinthians here that we have. And he was getting reports that there was division in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name Lord Jesus Christ, that all you agree, and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you and my brothers. So Paul's getting these reports. There's division going on. He also says in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, For in the first place, when you came together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. And then once again in 1 Corinthians 13, it's even more in-depth. But Paul said, But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. Can you imagine receiving a letter like that? Can you imagine maybe Pastor Pete being up here? I've been giving you milk because you can't handle solid stuff. So that's the tone of this letter a little bit. And then it says, for while there is, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? 
For when one says, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So there's jealousy going on. There was strife. There was division. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was major sin that was accepted within the church. There was a story of incest. You'd see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm not going to get into this. So this was a, a church dealing with division, dealing with jealousy and strife, and where people thought they were better than other people. They thought they were on a higher level. There was even a little bit of abuse when it related to spiritual gifts, that I'm better than you because I could speak in tongues. I'm better than you because I speak in tongues more than you speak in tongues. Or, you know, they were coming to the communion table and they weren't waiting for other people. Or with their communion, they would eat a meal and they would eat, yet other people would go hungry. That's what was going on in this church. So when we get to 1 Corinthians 13, this is Paul's answer to a lot of their problems. He's saying what you really need is love. What you really need is love. And I also want you to get the context here because when we think of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we're like, it's the love chapter. I have, I have this on my bumper sticker. You know, we, we shared this at our wedding, which we did share it at your, your guys' wedding. And, um, and, it, and we make it real flowery. We, we make it sometimes, you know, we make it easy sometimes. We make it light or we make it like, oh, Paul's talking about love. Everything's so wonderful. They must be loving each other already. No, he's talking about love because they're not loving each other. That's why he's talking about it. He's not giving them the coffee cup that has 1 Corinthians 13 on it because they're really good at loving. He's giving them the love bumper sticker because they're not loving each other. Because they're not doing these things. And if you're there with me, we're going to read 1 Corinthians. And we're going to start in 1227 to get the background here a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Then Paul asks, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So there's nothing wrong with desiring other gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul says this. He says, I will show you still a more excellent way. I will show you still a more excellent way. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's a good place for amen. 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 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Lord God, we thank you for the love chapter here. I'm just going to focus on three areas here this morning real quick. But number one, as love, the attribute we can't afford to go wrong in, is we need to be mindful of this, that without love, I am nothing. Without love, I am nothing. We have to remind ourselves that each and every day. Your ministry without love is nothing. Your ministry, whether it's inside a church, outside a church, whether it relates to family members, whether it relates to strangers, it is nothing without love. You are nothing without love. Your church right here is nothing without love. We could have structures, we could have systems, we could have Bible studies, we could have people using their spiritual gifts. That was going on in the, the church in Corinth. But without love, they are nothing. They are ineffective. And so we have to just remind ourselves that without love, we are nothing. Paul says, I will show you still more excellent way. He says, you could speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love. It's like a noisy gong, a clinging, clanging cymbal. Have you ever heard someone preach the word of God or act like they're preaching the word of God and yet they didn't have love? How well is it received? How well is it receptive? Have you ever asked someone to pray for you and they said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you could even just tell by their demeanor that they probably weren't going to pray for you and you didn't sense their love? How effective was that? Or about people that says they love the outside world. They love the people outside the church building. They love people outside of a relation with, with Christ. But they never go. They never go after them. Do they really love them? Do you really love people that you don't interact with? Do you really love people outside these walls if you never leave them? We have to be mindful that without love we are nothing. Our spiritual gifts um, Let's put it even this way. My preaching today, if it is not, if it is not coated with love, if, if it is not surrounded with love, it is useless. It is, it is powerless. I could be eloquent. I could be organized. I could have great PowerPoints, which I don't. And it could still be ineffective without love. And Paul is reminding them, your gifts without love, even your spiritual gifts without love, are ineffective. They are useless. It says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith, yet to even remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Paul was reminding them, yes, you're using your gifts, but you don't get credit just for using your gifts. We don't get credit for anything. But Paul was saying, if you want to use your gifts effectively, if you want to bring glory to God, you need to use them in love. Because if not, they are nothing. They are nothing. And this goes even farther. This, this hits some people here. 
But it says, if I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. You can give without love. You can open a door without love. We can even say nice things without love. That we have to realize that even just because we give, whether that's financially of our time, it needs to be given in love. It needs to be given in love. And this goes even further that we can even sacrifice our physical bodies. But if it's not done in love, we gain nothing. We gain nothing. And how many false religions where people give up their lives, they give up their bodies, and they will gain nothing because what they think will give them eternal life, they're actually giving up their bodies out of hate, out of, out of a false sacrifice that's not done out of love, and also it's done to the wrong God. But I just want you to just be mindful to have that humility and just remember that is your ministry, is your life coated with love? In every single thing you do, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Do you consider love absolutely essential in your ministry? You can be gifted, you can be skilled, but are you loving people? Is your love the single most important aspect of your relationship with others? Or have you become enamored with just the mission? And this is going to sound probably counter of what I, counter of what I said a couple minutes ago. But you can even try to lead people to Christ and be so focused on, I'm just going to lead them to Christ that you forget to love them. One of the things that stops evangelism the most is when people try to lead someone to Christ and they don't accept Christ, and then that person stops having a friendship and a relationship with them. Because you've rejected Christ that you've rejected me and I don't want anything to do with you. And God is saying... Even the evangelistic message, even the gospel message has to be shared with love. Even the rejection that people give us, we need to figure out how to still love them. So I remind you this morning, and I will say it, and the Apostle Paul would say it, but you are nothing without love. You are nothing without love. Number two, Paul talks about, and I'm just going to hit on a couple of these, but he defines love for us. Love defined. We see verses four to eight, love defined. And the love that's talked about here, it's the, the Greek word agape. And this is a love that means loving not for one's own benefit, but for the benefit of others. It means loving not for one's own benefit, but for the benefit of others. This agape love that's talked about here, it's a supernatural love. It's a word that, that it's not of worldly standards. It seeks the highest good of other people. It's, it is an unconditional love. And it is more a, a decision than a feeling. It is more a commitment than a relationship. Let me get on my soapbox here that there's a lot of people in relationships today, but there's not a lot of people committed. Agape love is you saying that I am going to love you. I am committed to you no matter what. Um, let's just get real. The divorce rate in America is between 50 and 60%. My family is not immune to it. I have, between my mother and father, five divorces. And that's just two people, five divorces. Three brothers have been divorced already. So that's where I'm at as I share this. But there's too many people in relationships, but not in commitments. And as we were worshiping, the Lord just, you know, 
I wasn't sure if I was going to get to this point, but the Lord was just thinking, if, you, if you're married right now, and Ben and Destiny are doing really good, like Destiny, Ben already has his arm around Destiny and is holding her hand, but this is just what I was, this is just what I feel the Lord wants us to do this morning, and if you feel comfortable, do it. But if your wife or husband is next to you, just grab her hand, put your arm around her or whatever, and God wants to just remind you that it's not just a relationship, but it's a commitment. My wife is stuck with me forever, okay? There's, there's no turning back. There's no, there's no nothing. But we need to commit. This, this agape love, and that's why I think it's so important that we do, you know, read this or talk about this portion of Scripture. This is the type of love we're, we're to have for one another. This is the type of love we're supposed to have in our marriage. And one of the things that Paul talks about is love keeps no records of wrong. There's a whole list that does that every time you read through it. But I just want to encourage you this morning, as you hold on to, to that person's hand, just remember that it's a commitment, that you're committed to one another. You're committed through the good times, the bad times, just like the marriage vows say, sickness and in health, richer or poorer. That you're, it's a commitment. And I encourage you right now to just continue to pursue that unconditional love for one another. I don't want to counsel any more people dealing with divorce. I'm counseling people right now dealing with divorce. I don't want to have any more family members get divorced. Um, but it's a commitment. And it's not easy, but it's a commitment. So I encourage you guys. I, I'm missing my wife right now, holding Rachel's hand in spirit. You're not going to lose me ever. You're not going to lose me ever. But Paul's talking about what love is and what love is not. He goes down the list here, but love is patient. And these are some definitions I got from the preacher's uh, commentary, but it says, for patience, to all those who are impatient with others, Paul writes. It's like, did you have to put that in there? It says, love suffers long. Some translations even translate it that way, long-suffering, that love is long-suffering. I've been around some people, and being around them, is, it's long-suffering, even if it's five minutes. I've, I've been around people like that. But that's what Paul is saying, that we're supposed to, in a sense, long suffer with him. It doesn't, it doesn't, this is a love, it doesn't give way to bitterness or wrath when evil is done, but it is very slow to anger. The emphasis is not so much on a call to patience with circumstances as to a patience with people. Some of us need to hear that this morning. When, when Paul is saying love is patient, he's not talking about situations. He's talking about people. And he's talking to a church that was already dealing with division. And he said, you need to be patient with those people across from you. And maybe as a church, church is, we need to hear, we need to be patient with the denomination down the street. We need to be patient when people don't exercise their faith, in the, and I'm talking about from a Christian perspective, that they worship a little different than we do. They don't believe in spiritual gifts, but they still know Christ. We need to be patient with them and love them also. But we need to be patient. We need to be kind. Love is kind. It's not merely a passive kindness, but it's actively, actively engaged in doing good to others. To me, this kindness is an a individual that we're seeking what is the good we can do for other people, and then we act on it. What is the good I can do? It's the picture of a person who spontaneously seeks the good for others 
and shows it with friendly acts. It's kindness. And this love, uh, Paul, it's interesting, the list that Paul goes through when he talks about uh, love is not this, that's all the things the Corinthians were if you read through the letter. Paul is saying, but you know what? Love is not arrogant. I think at least three or four times in this letter, he calls the Corinthians arrogant. (laughs) And Paul is saying, you know, my wife never does this because she doesn't put condemnation on me. But it's like when your spouse says, um, so-and-so doesn't do this. So-and-so doesn't do that. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like whenever you're doing something you shouldn't, and your wife is like, well, love is not that. Love is not this. But you're doing it. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. How about this one? Love does not insist on its own way. How many of us that we're all about insisting our own ways? I was talking about divorce earlier. They say that the number one cause for, for divorce is selfishness. You know, we think of finances. We think of sexually not being satisfied. We think of all these different things, affairs, which happen. But the number one, they say, is selfishness. It's all about me. That's exactly what a marriage is not to be. But as Christians, that's exactly what we're not to be. Uh, if you've read The person, the Purpose Driven Life, I don't know if the first chapter, the second chapter, I think it is, it's not about you. But the church in Corinth was like, it's about me. It's about me. And Paul was saying, but real love, it doesn't insist its own way. It doesn't insist its own way. And we have to be real careful with this one. A lot of times we think our way is the only way of doing things. We think our way is the best way of doing things. And we tend to choose ways that are easier for us, especially when it comes to love. And we have to be very careful. Sometimes we even put things when it comes to accepting Christ and salvation that God never intended, but it's what we think salvation is. We need to choose God's way, not our own way. If we're going to do anything, we need to put the, the, the mind of other people, the, the needs of other people before ourselves, but we need to choose God's way. We need to choose God's way, and that is true love. And I'm just going to finish up the definition part here just with some of these, but love does not rejoice in the wrong. That's for the married couples. Remember that. I'm just going to go to the end, but love bears all things. To me, love is a covering that I hold on to that when I'm able, when I'm surrounded in love and walking in love, I put it this way, love helps me to take it. Love helps me to bear with people and their shortcomings and their failures. And love is a, a protection for me that I can, take, I can take garbage from other people. When Rachel's brother, and I, I have multiple family members that have a, a dealt with addiction in their lives, when my family members that are in sin are dumping on me and almost in a sense abusing me, I can take it because I'm covered in love. And that's not saying it's okay. That's not saying it's not sin. But I can keep loving them because God has covered me in his love. And all, the, all my love really is is God's love reflecting back off of me. That's all it is. It's a love that I receive and then it's reflecting back off of, off of me. And so they're heaping junk onto me. And isn't that what really Jesus did anyway on the cross? He took all of our sins, and he he took all this garbage, and he took all this junk, and, and Jesus is like, I can take it. 
I can take it all. And that's not saying it's easy for us to do this, but to me, true love can take it. Because we've already received this grace, we've already, and we have to keep receiving it each and every day. That's not saying you need saved every day, but we need to keep receiving His grace. His grace is new each and every day. We need to keep receiving it so we can take the garbage people throw at us so we can still love them. And we need to realize, and I always share this, and I was a sinner, and I still fight with sin. Sin's still a battle. I'm not sinless. But we need to remember as we're loving people inside or outside of church that sinners are going to sin. Okay? Sinners are going to sin. It's not okay. But sinners are going to sin. So if you have a relationship with a sinner, they're going to sin towards you. But we still need to love them because sinners are going to act according to their nature. Just as Christians, we need to act to our nature of love. But we need to realize that we're going to get dumped on but we need to be surrounded with love so we can take it and we could lead them to the person that could get them rid of their junk that even they're dumping on us. So love bears all things. And it says here, it believes all things. This one's hard for me sometimes. But to say that love bears all things does not mean that it is gullible or unrealistic, but it calls for us to ascribe the best motives to others and create a spirit of trust. That one's hard for me, so I'll just move on to the next one. But that one's hard for me to believe all things, to kind of hope all things. And I actually, I was worshiping this week uh, with our students on Monday, and God actually, I, God, God kind of puts a lot of things on my heart during times of worship. And as it relates to this one of believes all things, because there's some people in my life right now talking about me. But God put, on my, God put on my heart and reminded me, he just put, do not be offended. Do not be offended. I don't have a choice what people say to, towards me. I don't have a choice if people attack my ministry. I don't have a choice if people attack my life. But I do have a choice if I'm going to be offended or not. And God reminded me, he said, do not. He was telling me, don't be offended. Don't be offended. And this goes back to the other one because people were dumping stuff on me. People were attacking me. And then God's like, well, if you need to hear it again, I wrote, this is the second line, do not hold on to an offense. So God was saying, don't be offended. Don't hold on to the one you're already holding on to. And then God was giving me illustrations, but it all was relating to this offense thing. And then down further, God, God put on my heart, do not, do, he was, this was a declaration, not allow my, I said, do not allow myself to be offended. So it was like three things. He's like, don't be offended. Don't hold on to the fence. And then God was saying, don't even allow yourself to be offended. And that made me think about, do I even have the right to be offended? I started thinking about that. As a Christian, do I even have a right to be offended by people? I don't know. But that's how God speaks to me. But for those people offending me, it's hard to believe good about them. Isn't it? When people come at you, isn't it hard to believe, you know, and I'm not going to be stupid about it, but it's hard for me to see them in a good light. But true love, it believes all things. And I really like this one, hopes all things. Even when things are not looking good, love has a way to looking to God's future and seeing a better day. We're going to get here in a second to Rachel's. I'm going to close up here in a second. We're going to get to a testimony of Rachel's brother. 
But when Rachel's brother was dealing with his opiate and alcohol addiction, I didn't see him as an addict. I didn't see him as a drug addict. I didn't see him as an alcoholic. You know what I seen every time I seen him? I seen what God was going to do in his life before he did it. That as I was up here worshiping a lot of Sundays and we would have our church praying for him, I didn't see him as that addict. I seen him one day going to be up front at our church worshiping. I seen him of what God was going to do in his life before he even did it. I didn't know if it was going to be days. I didn't know if it was going to be years. And it was years. I didn't know what it was going to be. But I knew. I, I could see. I was hoping for that future in his life. I was hoping for that future in his life. And some of us need to hear this. We need to hope for the best for people around us and be believing for the best for the people around us that even seem like the lowest, the people that hate us the most, we need to be believing and hoping for the best in them because not what we can do, but what God can do through us. That love can change the atmosphere. I could go into situations of hate. I could walk into, some of you may have walked into a dead church. I could walk into a dead church and I'm bringing Christ with me. I could walk into a situation of life, uh, lifelessness and hopelessness, but I am bringing Christ with me. The Holy Spirit is in me and I'm bringing an atmosphere of love that's going to transform. It's going to transform that atmosphere. That's in each and every one of you also. But do you believe? Do you hope? Do you see what people can become? And the atmosphere that brings that is an atmosphere of love. The love of God. The love of you. Believe all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. The picture of endure all things is much more than passive endurance. Love allows us to remain true in the most adverse circumstances. And even to transform the situation by enduring. Let's get that one again. It is much more than passive endurance. Love allows us to remain true in the most adverse circumstances. And I like this part. Even to transform the situation by the enduring. Love transforms circumstances. But sometimes we have to not grow weary in doing good because we will reap a harvest if we do not quit. Let's not give up on loving people. Well, I'm just going to close just with this. Um, I just encourage you, if you just would like to pray with me right now, we're just going to close in prayer, and then Pastor, Ke- uh, Pastor Pete would like to come up. But um, I just want you to think about right now, is there someone that you've given up loving? Just think about it for a second as we're about to go to prayer. Is there someone that you feel that you've given up loving? And uh, I want God to really put that individual or individuals on your heart. Could be even a, a group of people or a place or anything, but, you know, God, we just ask you to just reveal that right now. Is there any people that we, now that we think about it, that we really have given up loving? Thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray also you would put on our hearts right now, is there anyone in our life right now that we would say, we're about to give up loving? Like, we're right there, Lord. If they do one more thing, I'm not going to love them anymore. Lord God, I pray that you would put these people on our hearts right now, Lord God. Lord God, we pray right now that you would help us to be people of love. That we realize that no matter who we are or the skills and the gifts and all the different things that you've blessed us with, without love, we are nothing. 
And I pray right now, Lord God, that we would just wake up each and every day and we would realize that without love, we are nothing, Lord God. And I pray that our ministries and our lives, it would be surrounded with love. That everything we do would start and end with love and be surrounded by love in the middle. I pray the love that you've given us, that it would just reflect off of us. The grace that you give us, the mercy, the patience, the kindness, everything that you have shown us and that you dish out to us each and every day. The sacrifice of you on the cross, Lord God. I I pray right now that's how we would love people. That we would not just go by our definition, but we would go by your definition of what love is. Lord, that we would not keep records of wrong, that we would be patient and we'd be kind. And Lord God, we would rejoice in the truth. And we just thank you right now. And I pray, Lord, that we would not give up, that our love would endure. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that love endures. I pray that our love would endure. And we're, there's some of us right now, we're about to give up loving someone right now. We're about to give up on some people, Lord God. And you don't want us to. I pray that you would give us strength and you would give us love so we could not give up. That we could not give up on them, Lord God. And I just thank you right now. There are people that we have given up and we, we ask for forgiveness right now. We, we ask that you forgive us. We even know that we did it, Lord God, and we just couldn't do it anymore. I pray that you show us a way. I pray that you empower us. I pray that we even, uh, acts of kindness, Lord God, that you help us to love those people that we've given up on. I pray that you give us strength. I pray that you give us power. You give us courage, Lord God. Give us courage. I pray that we would call those people today. I pray that maybe we would write them a letter, Lord God, or even stop and see them. But God, give us, give us power. For some of us, Lord God, we just need to pray for them. We've stopped praying for them because we've given up. I pray that we would pray for them, Lord God. Do whatever you need to do in us so we are instruments of love. Do whatever you need to do in us so we can reflect love. And I just thank you for the fruit of Rachel's brother. That's the testimony of love. That's the, that's the fruit of the sacrifice and the courage and, and the boldness and the risk when it comes to loving people. I pray for more testimonies, Lord God. I pray for more breakthroughs. I pray for more testimonies just like who? That through love, these walls were breaking down, that addictions were overcome, that your love transformed people. That's what we want, God. That's what we want more of right now. Do it in those people's lives that we're thinking of right now. Do it in our lives. Let our love change the atmosphere of everywhere we go. And we give you everything right now, Lord God. We just say, have your way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said,